We're back at Fortune Kit headquarters here with our friend and frequent guest, Derek. Uh, great He's, to be uh, here. I don't know, Derek, you're like a journeyman, is what you are. You're a journeyman podcaster. Unemployed. Web show. Unemployed. Yeah. So- <laughs> Journeyman's a nice way to say unemployed <laughs> right now. Son of drill. Vagabond. Wanderer. Have you been riding one of those little train carts? What do they call those? Uh, the ones you push up and down? Yeah. It's called a hobo's taxi. Those have some sort of stupid name that I always forget. I want to say it's like funicular, but that's definitely not what it is. Is it legal to buy one of those and just put it on the train tracks? <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's the American version of a Japanese bullet train. It's as close as we're going to get, and we we ought to be happy with it. You can probably get off the tracks if you're, you hear the train coming. Yeah. Hyperloop light. That's what it is. Yeah, Elon Musk is going to have uh, all of us buying one of these. Putting them on yeah, the Yeah, you should uh, make ones that go like Tesla 400 tracks. miles an hour. And uh, we'll just propel ourselves all all over. The American version of uh, high-speed trains is driving as fast as you can on the strip of highway where you know there's no speed traps. <laughs> That's freedom, baby. Yeah, America's problem is we don't have fast enough cars. If we just had cars that went 600 miles an hour, it'd be much easier to get everywhere. Yeah, just Tra- take out yeah, all the stoplights, make the cars all 600 miles per hour. Yeah. Gas is like 40 cents a gallon because we've invaded the rest of the world. Autobahn is just the German word for road. (laughs) The whole whole thing is like that. You get a residential street, it's like 180. Yeah. A bunch of Lamborghinis. Trains are inherently anti-American too because they uh you have no choice in how fast they go or where they go, you know? You're you're forced to go from Stuttgart to Bonn or right. uh, I, Well, they should yeah, just they take limit a your vote. freedom. Like the conductor should go around to everybody on the train be like, "Where do you guys want to go?" You know. That would be more democratic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's weird that Ayn Rand was so into trains. Oh, I didn't know that actually. Infrastructure. Yeah, she loved that steampunk shit. But I don't know why. Yeah, she got from watching Wild Wild West. She should have written steampunk. She's into a lot of things seemingly at odds with her fan base, you know. One of the weirdest figures of the 21st or 20th century. Yeah, did she make any music? You want to talk about it on the podcast maybe? Yeah, she had an album called 2112. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, um, good uh, song about the trees. She was able to put her really high voice to use. Yeah, yeah a lot of people don't know that uh, uh, Getty Lee just has, like, he's got singing credits on all those records, but it was actually Ayn Rand. She was on a work permit here in Canada. That's clearly a woman on those records. I knew there was a reason I was attracted to the singer of those songs. Dude, which chick... Would you rather be in a band with the chick from Rush or Greta Van Fleet? I would like to be uh, with the chick from The Strokes, the singer. Julia Casablancas? Yeah, Ju- Julia Casablancas. <laughs> We're like Romeo and Juliet Casablancas. I'm looking at this racist Spotify logo. How did we get to this? Oh, yeah. Well, there's a long backstory to get here. Well, no, we were reading a, a StereoGum.com article, and we read all of them together on Discord. Every time a new StereoGum.com article drops. We love, uh, we love that website, one of our favorite websites. Check it out if you have the internet. If you don't, uh, go to the library and print it out. Print the whole website out. There's an article about... How on Spotify, sometimes artists' top songs will become some random obscure song in their library because it, the algorithm happens to recommend that when an album finishes and it doesn't autoplay. It, it'll autoplay so it a uh, song that the computer says sounds similar to a lot of other songs. So it like sits in a like perfect gray zone between many different webs of song sounds that's how they described it the web zone yeah the web zone. Zone. i'm playing the spider-man game on ps5 the spider-man soundtrack comes up for everything for that reason <laughs> the chad kroger they say that a hero will save us if it's really that uh it sounds like other songs how come girl talk isn't the most recommended artist of all time <laughs> yeah fair that's enough. a really good point actually 
They should start doing that. Wow, remember Girl Talk? Remember? I played a bunch of the... shows with Girl Talk. I feel like uh, oh, interesting. Handsome Furs did a, the college circuit in the Northeast and uh, down through like the Carolinas and played a couple shows, like three or four shows with Girl Talk and like Infected Mushroom, I think, and, and some weird jam bands I'd never heard of. Oh, wow. <laughs> big, a bizarre lineup. <laughs> Good big, lineup. Big, big money in that circuit, you know? Like, uh, colleges yeah, yeah. love to pay huge amounts of money for you to uh, get up there and uh, sing and dance, you know? Girl Talk is a serial plagiarist. What are, what are you talking about? <laughs> this is an accusation that I am Man, you're just You're just saying now. that because it's called Girl Talk and you're a misogynist. If it was boy talk, it would be oh, yeah. a-okay with me. Or talk, he wrote all or that talk stuff, boy. and then those artists stole little ideas of his and turned them into full songs. It's called Erasure. That's what they call it. Oh, he was in that band, too? <laughs> yeah. That's pretty sweet. Okay, so what was the next step there? We were talking about that, how uh, Pavement's top song is... Uh, what's it called? A random B-side. Harness Your Hopes. Harness Your Hopes. It's a Bright in the Corners B-side. That didn't come out until 2008 on the expanded reissue. And the algorithm represented that. So now that's above uh, Cut Your Hair or Range Life or any of those other songs. And all they can really say to answer for it is that's the algorithm. It's so funny that the algorithm just prizes making the most generic and well, broadly similar music possible. It's weird because the way the article reads is almost like... It's the most popular song, so actually it is really good. But I listened to it, and I think it's all right, but like it's not the best Pavement song. It's like a mistake. The, the reason it's the highest played song is because they make people listen to it. It auto-plays. Yeah, exactly. yeah. The program is just putting yeah, it in people's okay. ears. It's not the most played song because it's the best. It's exactly. not even the most like pavementy Pavement song. I think uh, if they're trying to recommend you something uh, after... A pavement album they should recommend you literally any other band ouch <laughs> yeah. every time we talk about pavement on here like no one's really willing to go to bat for them everyone's just like yeah they're fine they're okay but that's they're how okay. i feel so i'm i'm the more time goes on the more i'm like this is not a good band <laughs> i don't i don't uh i I'm not a, I, I don't know. I don't know. I loved them when I was in high school. And uh, the last time I listened to an entire pavement record front to back was on uh, Operators Tour last year. And two thirds of the way through, I was like, I can't fucking take this anymore. Turn it off. <laughs> which one? It was the one I really like, which is Crooked Rain. Oh, yeah. wow. it is the best one. Yeah, it's the best. It's the best one. But I, I think Derek, what's, I think what's I like Slant and Enchanted more. But I mean, I think after. I think Wowie's Owie is the last one that I, I really listened to much of. To me, it was a big uh, community college band. I listened to it a lot in community college for some reason. I liked, Even their last album, I liked a couple songs like uh, Carrot Rope is a good one. But yeah, I don't know. Slanted and Enchanted has good songs, but it sounds like shit, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, I love it. I mean, maybe... I, I think that, my that's community the college they music was like, the Buzzcocks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a great time to listen to music. Yeah, after community college, I haven't listened to music so much. My community college music was um, uh, like un a lot of unwound, but then um, I was trying to date this girl that was really into Ani DeFranco, so I got uh, I got sort of ambient. A lesbian? No. <laughs> <laughs> See, there's your mistake. <laughs> I got ambiently exposed to uh, a lot of Ani DeFranco and that Moby record which she really, oh, really liked. Yeah, yeah. Moby. And Sarah McLaughlin. And Sarah McLaughlin. A lot of Sarah McLaughlin. That Moby album is Moby. one of those that sold like 10 trillion copies because it existed at the right time to do that. Yeah, it was around... Yeah, uh, that was enormous. It was around the time where people were like, well, we can't afford to ask the Rolling Stones to license a song, but we can license this Moby song because he'll let mm -hmm. literally anyone license it. So. And the album had like 10,000 singles. Well, by that, I mean like five singles or something, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was Moby's big yeah. song? We uh, are all made of stars or whatever? 
No, I think it's. I think his biggest song is probably a song without. It doesn't have vocals on it. It's just like a vocal sample. It's got almost like a like a goa trance style song. Oh, and he had. It's got the his like, big songs uh, were like um, samples of old gospel records. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like stuff that in the current climate would be uh, extremely cancelable. Uh, yeah, it would. It would not. I mean, be with well Moby looking the way he looks, come on. Yeah. No, that that that's no good. Actually, Moby seems like one of the fucking guys they would play after, like an algorithmic guy. It's it's kind of weird. Yeah. He was popular back in the day. He really seems more like a guy they would just play after, whatever you know. That's mm-hmm. true. It is interesting how little he's resonated over time. Yeah, he had a. No one talks about Moby. He had a vegan restaurant in uh, New York that closed recently, and then didn't he make some insane claims about dating someone? recently too wasn't it uh natalie portman yeah 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 he's uh, like some kind of very exaggerated claims about dating dating natalie portman which she kind of refuted yeah she like said something to the effect of uh i was 18 and wanted to hang out with a famous guy and then you were weird to me it's like yeah just a rough summary of it yeah it's basically it he claimed that on Tatooine he won a pod race <laughs> and got to go on a spaceship. And that's how they met. <laughs> I think uh, Moby also has a failed vegan restaurant out here. Or maybe it's a successful vegan restaurant. I, I guess I wouldn't know. Maybe he should make a regular restaurant. <laughs> you think? Yeah. With vegan options. Yeah, I, would, I would love that's Moby to like grill me up a burger, man. At least have the option available if you want. He kind of looks like, you know... A fry cook in some ways. Now, I don't know what I mean by that. It's not an insult. Whatever happened to Fat Boy Slim? That was another guy that sold 10 oh, billion yeah. records in 1998 and has no... Oh, I thought Fat Boy Slim was just a nickname for Moby. <laughs> it might as well be. It's like when we talked about um, how butt rock bands should just consolidate down into one band. I think you could easily consolidate Moby and Fat Boy Slim into just one generic artist. Yeah. Definitely. Maybe chemical. You could throw the Chemical Brothers in there too. Uh huh. You know, you you put a little bit of reverb, pitch it down a little bit. You got vaporwave, and these guys are back. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm just, yeah. It's going to be amazing when somebody puts out like a like a slightly tweaked version of that Moby record, and, and it gets like best new Moby music Core. and Pitchfork. Yeah. I keep I keep wondering like when is I think we probably talked about this or you've talked about it before, but like when is like the new new metal revival going to happen or has it happened? I'm not really privy to this shit. I think it's going to be soon. I think it's people happening. are hinting at it. Like people have definitely anytime someone mentions the Deftones, they're like, oh, actually, uh, the Deftones are actually pretty good. Yeah, you know? right. Like, you, that's the, every you single can feel time everyone's mind kind of changing in the same way. Yes. Yeah. They're ready to be Which I agree uh, with, surprised but... by a very tasteful. You know, we want like the national of new metal. That's what they want. Yeah, exactly. Because exactly. the reappraisal has already happened. Everyone already decided some of those bands were good while others weren't. All that needs to happen is a brand new band shows up and then everyone's going to go crazy. You these, know? Uh, yeah. these beautiful 19 year olds picked up their instruments and they said, you know, we're influenced by Deftones and, uh, you yeah, know, that's something all it else. Takes. Deftones and uh, Ultravox or something, and then it's like, boom, they're a hit. Yeah. (laughs) We're definitely in, like, the 1994 revival right now. Right. With uh, the grunge aesthetic. We're, like, getting into the later 90s. I I try to listen to um, new bands and stuff, and uh, a lot of the new bands that, like, come up, uh, like, on the radio or whatever... Uh, KXLU or something. It it seems like it's they're they're basically grunge bands with like sort of calming female vocals, but like instrumentally yep. they're basically just grunge bands. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's not a bad sound. It's it's pleasant. Even someone I like, like I, I really like uh, Courtney Barnett, but she basically fits that exactly. Where even all her strumming patterns are exactly Nirvana strumming patterns, like the dun 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 like that kind of like. I don't know. It's like exactly like, fuck, what's the name? The second track on her first album is just a Nirvana song with her singing over it, basically. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a distinctly female oriented revival of like grunge and post grunge 
and into like Avril Lavigne, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's definitely skim- like Phoebe Bridgers, I guess is kind of yeah like like that that stuff's definitely coming back and i like it it's good yeah but i'm not sure where that comes from exactly all at once what i would say to all those bands is they should try to sound like a pavement b-side if they want to really make it exactly yeah they should get really sarcastic and uh the drum plug-in they're using uh maybe fuck up uh, the piano roll so it's off time (laughs) I like that uh, in the UK, they're having like a similar sort of, you know, because the Grunge Revival thing, I feel like has been going on for like a decade now. Like, yeah, yeah. Like it's sort of, it's easy to dress like shit. Sort of started with waves, right? Like, like that whole thing was kind of like a, like a nod to like, okay, the nineties were actually cool. And like, yeah, that's true. And and I feel like yeah, 2010, 2011, it started, and it just has not like there's just nothing has happened. Like culture has been so fucking stagnant. No, nobody's that, ready like, to say a lot like of have been the year 2001 like, is good. Yeah, yeah, but uh, it's funny to, to me there. that like in in Brit, like in the UK, they have an even worse situation happening now where the period of time between their post-punk uh between bands rediscovering post-punk is shrinking by half every time it happens so it's like <laughs> there's some there needs to be a name for that law it's like mark fisher's law i think but like, yeah there we go <laughs> like uh because you know i guess you could you could trace it back to like okay what early 2000s you had like future heads and all those bands and then it's like the second wave uh the third wave with like savages and now it's like the fourth wave with idols, and now there's like a post idols like you know they're all obsessed with one specific album that came out in 1979, and all the bands sound exactly like that. And there's like <laughs> ten ten of them. It's incredible. It's like I mean, at least there aren't any bands that sound like uh, Happy Mondays or whatever. Not yet, my friend. But that's another inevitable <laughs> thing that British people will always come back to. Though. Yeah. But I feel like that kind of stagnation is not just in rock music. It's like all over the place because like oh, Migos sure. was a genuinely different thing for mainstream rap. And that was 2013 when they broke out. And it's been almost eight full years and people are still literally every fucking song ripping off their flow. Like somehow they've lasted nearly a decade. drums are so played out. It's insane. Like five years ago, I was saying that. Yeah, like how yeah. is it not but disappeared? It's been so man? long. Like I'm, I don't want to hear 808s anymore. Yeah, it's Get like- rid of it. It's, I don't want to hear it. It's like, hey, you know, Salem put out King Knight, and and uh, it should have stopped there. The trap. Kings, now they're back. You know? Ten years later, they're back. Program some normal hi hats. I think yeah. we got to get back into Walt's time, personally. Yeah, let's just put it back in three, yeah, yeah. baby. Honestly, why not? Linda LaRouche was right. The only people who rapped in in like six, eight, and three, four, and shit were like Outcast. Kanye had one or two songs in three, four. Uh, but no one's really been doing that since the early 2000s. There's nothing you can say in four that you can't say in three. You just cut it down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You guys like triplets so much. How about uh, how about everything's in three, four now? How do you like that? Exactly. See, that is a logical jump there. Yeah. And you know what's also, also funny? It's like one of the only bands with a genuinely unique sound in the last year or two, no matter what you think of it, is uh, 100 Gex. And then I heard like a newer song of theirs post like Money Machine and all that. Yeah. And now they just sound like a generic like pop band for the most part. Like they, <laughs> they already shed most of the things that made them weird. And it was really jarring. I was like, what the fuck? That's amazing. Yeah, I don't know how you really be weird. I thought I think we just found all the sounds. I, I thought they were now. trying to be it's harder to make something weird. Like annoying. Well, I mean, when I when I heard it, I was like, oh, yeah, I get it. They're trying to be really annoying. And it's kind of like a meme. I think that was it. Yeah, it was very. Uh, so when you go purpose, back to write actual, yeah. songs. it offended yeah. older people, which was which is hard to do now. Yeah, that's like a, a ceiling that's very high, but they yeah, did get yeah. a lot of. Older it made people me mad. Like, I went on all their this? YouTube videos the point. and I said, "You guys should be listening to Pavement." <laughs> <laughs> you guys should listen to Led Zeppelin. You fucking idiots! I'm twelve, and even I know that. <laughs> I'm twelve, and I should have been born in 1946. <laughs> I wish I was able to fight in World War II. Man, I wish I was a blues man in Mississippi in 1925. 
I wish I was uh, Jack White in the movie Cold Mountain, uh, standing on top of the Cold Mountain, playing authentic blues on a mandolin. <laughs> I wish I was in the Chain Gang and Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Yeah, hey man, say what, say what you will about the Civil War, but man, it started some great music. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, the Lumineers. <laughs> yeah. Back, they, yeah. they took inspiration from the Civil War to make some really beautiful music. Yeah, the uh, Icelandic uh, volunteers of Monsters and Men. You know, yeah. crazy God, the amount of folk music. That's another like sh- subgenre that's been going on for ten fucking years and Ugh. has no ideas. Yeah, it's it's done. It's like out of ideas, basically. It's it's kind of dead ended itself. The uh, I used to work at a coffee shop and um, constantly. I don't know how the fuck this would happen. I think we were using uh, not Spotify, but what was the one with the P. Uh, Pandora. Pandora? Pandora, yeah. We were using Pandora, and for some reason, every playlist somebody would make this fucking stupid song, Wagon Wheel by Old Crow Medicine Show. Oh! It would would just come... Even on, like, punk (laughs) playlists for some reason. I don't know what the fuck... I don't know how it happened. It was was terrible. That's one of those songs that's become synonymous with, like... Pissing me off. people are listing things white people like, (laughs) that's gonna be, like, number four. Because it's just that cliched by now. That shit sucks. Some guy took a Bob Dylan throwaway and wrote new verses for it. Yeah. One of my sister's friends growing up, her uncle was in Old Crow Medicine Show. (laughs) Oh, funny. (laughs) And at the time, I was like, what the fuck is that? What's Old Crow Medicine Show? That's the And then I heard that song. It's like, oh, that's what it is. It's the kind of band name you hear and it just. The guy who played the washboard. Yeah, it sucks. It's um, trying to imitate something they saw in a movie that was a copy of a movie of a fake novel or something about something someone pretended happened in the 1800s. There's it's no, so phony. It sucks. There's no difference between that and, like, fucking G-Love and Special Sauce, you know? Like, it's, <laughs> like, it's, it's just, like, weird cosplaying stuff. Ah, I hate it. Do you guys remember yes, uh, Ed, Edward, was it Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros? Yes, yeah. Yeah, that, right. oh man. Well, and he was in a band before that. Called I Am a was, Robot. Right, right, yeah. which was totally he's different. Had a, he's had a string <laughs> yeah. of bands that each have one big hit, I think, and he just moves on. His dad is like a, is like a record guy, I think, works for uh, some big record label. So uh, he went to dad and he said, look, my, my records is I Am a Robot. Or I think it's actually I'm a robot. There's no space between I'm and A. Yeah, that's right. I'm a, I'm a robot. They haven't been a big hits. Dad, what do I do? And he said, let me turn you on to this little sound called acoustic guitar. It's a new <laughs> instrument. It's going to blow your mind. Yeah. Check this out. It's a banjo. It's only got five strings. Have you ever like heard of uh, the new sincerity? <laughs> Son, pull up a stool. Let me, uh... Check out David Foster Wallace. Tell women about I, it. I sit down my adult son and I read the entirety of Infinite Jest to him in one sitting. Tucked into bed. I've never read it, but I like throwing copies of it at women. I like it. I think it's good. It's a good book. I never read I like David Foster Wallace's essays. The yeah. one about the cruise ship is really good. Yeah, yeah the cruise surprised. ship one That is whole good. collection's really good. He's great because he kind of had the whole spectrum of like easy shit to get into and difficult shit to get into. Like... His um, commencement speech about, like, the the fish is, like, a classic thing you can read in, like, 10 minutes that's really good. And then Infinite Jest is, like, you know, a thousand pages and a pain in the ass to read. That takes me 15 minutes to read. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it took me hundreds of hours to listen to his commencement speech. Yeah, you listen to it at, like, uh, slowed down 800 times and it's all just... Yeah, Alex, it sounded really you- chill. Alex, when you read Infinite Chess for like the fifth or sixth time, do you do the thing where you cut every page out of the book and then put them all up on the wall, like on a big wall, and just look at it once and then flip them all over and look at it again and you're done? Yeah, I have it all one-sided, so I just spin around in a spinny chair. And I just read it. Every rotation of the, the chair is one reading of it. That's the best way to read that book. Because I just go around the room, scan it, scan all the pages, and I'm done. Well, you read that book, and you don't have to read any others. You're kind of just Man, it's insane to me that parchment scrolls haven't come back for, like, book nerds. Like, yeah, I got that book on on book, but I also got it on parchment scroll. 
Oh, you mean like vinyl, basically? It's like, yeah, it's they should do that again. They should make a, a monk. Feel. Yeah, the parchment's just warmer, hand. man. Yeah, that's that's the new. It's like, literally warmer because some guy had his fist on it when he was writing it. <laughs> that's the new like small press. It's just uh, one edition written by hand by one person, <laughs> and you have to fight like a knight templar to get it. It must it must have sucked in the Middle Ages if you got a book, and it took some guy like twenty thousand hours to write, and it cost you four years of income <laughs> and then the book sucks yeah, you must have been so pissed or you got off. to the You're end like, oh, of it and so it was derivative. just part one of a series of eight it's like fuck man this book sucks fuck aristotle <laughs> yeah who the fuck is aristotle i hate him <laughs> we have to read i have to read physics before i read the, the metaphysics the i mean dust of history i hate it when i'm <laughs> loving reading my aristotle scroll and then i spill my bowl of uh, mutton stew all over it all over the ending. Oh, my blood pudding. <laughs> when people couldn't what, afford books. What happens books? when you leave the cave? <laughs> yeah, when they couldn't afford books, they would just, they would watch a projection. They would look at the cave walls and just see what the book looked like on the cave wall. Because <laughs> they couldn't afford the real thing. So the guy from Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros, he's 100% white, but he has a Native American middle name. No. It's, uh, Rivers, he used to go. Rivers Cuomo is his middle name. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah one word it's takits which is his father took one of his son's names from his favorite climbing rock in the desert oh, and man. then he discovered it means it means demon in a native american language <laughs> that's, <really> <laughs> <right>. <laughs> that's so like when people get like a demon. chinese tattoo yeah. and they don't know what the fuck it says the, the, the moral of that story Wonton is soup. this guy's dad is stupid yeah yeah his name is a Alex Ebert. Well, wait a minute. He wrote the song Daddy Knows Best for SpongeBob SquarePants for Broadway <laughs> Music. So how stupid could his dad be? Is that true? Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's in the official record. <laughs> well, I didn't know he wrote it. I mean, of course I'm familiar with the song. Well, I've seen SpongeBob. Oh, I've been re-watching SpongeBob lately. I just assume SpongeBob wrote all those songs. I'm going to start doing that with cartoons. Yeah, I've been uh, re-watching Rugrats. <laughs> it really holds up to scrutiny. Angelica it really is a, a view into the depths of human depravity. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot smarter and darker than you think. David Chase was, uh, he, he was writing on a lot of different layers with Rugrats. Reappraising Rugrats. <laughs> I was just reading that uh, at the, this, uh, I guess the genesis of like Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros, according to him, is that he was writing. He was in rehab, and he was writing a book about a messianic figure named Edward Sharp, who was sent down to Earth to quote, kind of heal and save mankind, but get kept getting distracted by girls and falling in love. Wow! What but a instead book. of but instead of writing the book, he started a band, and that's such a God, that is such that a sucks. great bullshit backstory where you're just like, I yeah, know. he's a liar. Man, I was going to write this book. Yeah. Totally. yeah. <laughs> I was going to write happen. this book, but I just felt like I couldn't, I couldn't communicate all the feelings in the book and, and it needed to be, it needed an audience. And, and I just feel like a band is a better platform for my vision. <laughs> Fuck off. And then also take, take that story and then think about the actual lyrics of that single. The yeah. lyrics are like Alabama, Arkansas, and they rhyme that with Ma and Pa. It's like a bunch yeah. of just nonsense bullshit. Yeah, man. it's some guy who grew up in L.A. and his dad was a psychotherapist. <laughs> and he's writing like, oh, gee, I sure do love shucking corn. He's trying to be the next CCR. <laughs> Mississippi, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, uh, South Carolina, North Carolina. Boy, I sure am stupid on account of my country <laughs> upbringing. <laughs> Man, I wish I lived in the big city so I wouldn't be so darn stupid. <laughs> <laughs> he did another. He did another amazing thing that I love that uh, shitty musicians do, where they they have this character and then they kill it off, you know, and it's like nobody gives a shit. He Did made the a character die in a song? <laughs> no one is invested. Yeah. Oh no, uh, Edward Sharp? What are yeah. the mad magnetic zeros going to do? <laughs> They're lost without him. Yeah. You got to assemble the Dragon Balls to bring him back to life. That's, right. That's what the album's about. Well, no. Well, holy moly, me oh my. You're the apple of my eye. <laughs>
God damn. But wait, yeah. so when you say killed off Edward Sharp, like was was that done by an announcement or was that done like in a in in song form? Uh, they said he died in Iraq. <laughs> he died on the way back to his home, home planet. Yeah, yeah totally. Uh, no, it, he was. It's fucking funny. He was killed off not in an album, but he was killed off in the PR cycle for an album that didn't do very well. As kind of oh, okay, what? It's <laughs> even better. His his father what, killed him. Yeah, what I'm assuming is uh, a kind of retconned explanation for uh, the record he made called Persona, and the last A is also capital. Ooh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> In a lot of ways, this album does things that are missing. He went on to discuss why the name Edward Sharp is crossed out on the cover, <laughs> saying there was no character to begin with, so why not kill him? He never really was there. It was all an illusion, folks. The magic oh, is inside you. He, fucking, he tricked us. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah. Man, U.S. folk albums, Billboard, number six, yeah. peak position. If you I can also... get on the folk albums in 2016 and you're not number one, yeah, like who are they competing against? Uh, I appreciate like a that the issue of Pete uh, Seeger. They're advancing the plot of the band in the press release. I'm imagining like this, it's like the Star Wars text that appears at the beginning of the Star Wars movie and just like fast forwards the plot. That's what their press releases are like. Edward Sharp was killed uh, using <laughs> yeah, force, three. but his spirit lived on on a secret planet. Yeah. And there's a plan to bring him back. Oh, my God. I love this shit so much. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, playing... Well, you can't really imagine this, but imagine you're playing Edward Sharp for somebody, and you're like, yeah, man, uh, he's dead, you know. Oh, no, not the sing... Nobody in the band died. <laughs> the, character. the character. Yeah, it turns out we're listening to, like... Uh, it's like a Broadway thing, you know? The character's dead. Yeah. Yeah, the entire band died in a fiery plane crash, uh, metaphorically. Yeah, not really. Not really. Yeah, not not really. They actually, uh, they all uh, OD'd on heroin. It was really sad, but it was a uh, part of the story of the band. They're all fine. Yeah, they're all living their lives. They actually all have accounting jobs now. Tom York announces that Radiohead has died on the next album. <laughs> the character the of Radiohead. <laughs> yeah, the protagonist of the first uh, eight albums. I think like a way you could make. Just, I'm trying to think of like a novel marketing concept for a group that would sell today. And I'm surprised no one has tried to do like a super group of like seven singers who act like they're the fucking Avengers or whatever, where they each have like a superhero oh, no. backstory. That would make so much money. Well, yeah. we're like, you know, the guy, he's a superhero of guitars. And so every, and then his part in the song comes and he does like a really shitty solo or something. Yeah, like... Is that what you mean? Kind of. But it needs to kind of be like BTS where you where you can... Em like, teens will empathize with one of their, like, favorites, you know? Right. Yeah. But it needs to play into superhero culture. But it needs to be really generic pop where none of them know how to play instruments. They're all just, like, singing. I think maybe each of them should have, like, um, some kind of physical ailment that, like, there's a guy with leprosy. There's someone <laughs> with, like, a one short leg, that kind of thing. There's a guy with who just has anxiety all the time. Right. And, you know, with and maybe just like the seven most common ailments. And then that way you can kind of capture the most people. So what you're saying is we have to maim and injure celebrities. Right. Or, well, they, or BTS or whoever. They would sign up for it, though. It's the same way that, you know, the Korean pop industry kind of forces people to get plastic surgery. You would expect that the people filling these roles would know what they're getting into. Right. Like. Yeah, Van Gogh cut if, off his penis for a woman. I mean, yeah. why can't BTS do it too? If, if you really, if you really want it, you'll show up to the audition already maimed. Yeah, or with leprosy. <laughs> you got to be completely smooth. Did I have I ever talked on 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 here about how like I auditioned for the. I auditioned for BTS? the BTS. No, I auditioned. <laughs> auditioned for the Todd Haynes Bob Dylan movie. Um, no. Yeah, Arlen uh, from Wolf Parade, myself, and my friend Chad Jones auditioned to be uh, the band, like capital B band. And the, and the casting call was like, this movie is insane. It's like Bob Dylan is played by like people of different genders, people, you know, like, like it's not like your grandma's Bob Dylan movie. So do not come dressed as 
the band. We don't want era specific. We want you to be yourself. So we were like, right the fuck on, man, right on. We're going to just roll up with some instruments and like lip sync. So we did our test shoot or whatever. And then the people right after us were this band, Royal Mountain Band, who sound and look exactly like the band. And they got the part. Um. <laughs> I was just like, cool. So they were doing like a crazy postmodern Bob Dylan movie. Yeah, yeah. I don't, That's a well-known uh, movie. You haven't, right? you haven't really heard of this? Of it's called. Bob Dylan it's called. I'm, yeah, it it's well called. Known. I'm not. I'm not there. Or uh, you're not here. I'm not there here. I am. I'm. I'm not there. Yeah, they released yeah. like a massive like soundtrack with it too and all kinds of shit. It's got Kate Blanchett in it, I think it's Dylan at one point. I don't yeah. have a lot of interest in a Bob Dylan biopic. Me neither. Any but part I part of Bob Dylan lore really. I do I like, don't hate I Bob like, Dylan. He's he's a like I, I like some of his songs. I like the um Martin Scorsese Bob Dylan documentary. I haven't seen that. It's good. I think it's worth watching. It's long as shit, but it's good. But like his life hasn't been that interesting, I don't think. It's interesting to me that they even bought, brought in like real musicians to play the the band. But but like what? Not actually play the instruments? Yeah, basically. So they have to be able to pretend to play the instruments right, well. Yeah. yeah, that's that's kind of it. But uh, they went with the obvious choice. So I don't know. I guess that makes sense. How's that band doing now? I honestly haven't thought about them in uh, years, so I have, I have no idea. Maybe they got a job as the band, the band. <laughs> they just started a band cover band after that. The band There's probably band. one guy who was in the band who wants to keep it dragging on and is willing to replace everyone else now that uh, Levon Helm is gone. Why not? If you already look like that and you know all the songs. Yeah, fuck it. I mean, I'm, I, I think it's smart to just be in a band based on looking like the other guys or whatever you know you just guys you guys have a look and you're just gonna do it i you know like uh if a bunch of people dressed up as draculas and they had like some kind of dracula themed band that would be more authentic to me than like the old medicine <laughs> crow show or whatever the fuck yeah i agree I would, with that 100 percent. i would pay money to see a dracula band especially if it had like a frankenstein drummer you know oh a little bit of diversity yeah glenn danzig we know he sings all those songs about Draculas and werewolves and all that stuff. But then he goes home and his house is like a Dracula castle filled with werewolves. And his entire life is like that. So we know he's he's for real. Oh, I've, I've seen his house in Los Feliz. It looks like shit. Yeah, I wouldn't want to live in that house. It's, pr it's probably enough to give me a heart attack, to be honest. Just seeing any of that. If I saw like uh, an Anton LaVey book on a bookshelf, I would probably shit myself so hard that I died. <laughs> That's some spooky stuff right there. It's fucked up. That guy believed in Satan? <laughs> the opposite <laughs> no, of God? No. Are you get, Hey man, are you the bad one. Get this. And It's the bad guy. Get this and he likes it. He likes Satan. He likes it? Yeah, man. Why would you like Satan? He's the bad he's like, guy. He's like he's, songs he's have a so bad. In them. He's so he's so Oh, he's so mean. He's, he's the so worst. Mean. I hate listening to the song Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath, and it's yeah. like, do, do. And I'm like, wow, this is fine. This is, I love this song. And then, do. <laughs> and, and I just freak out and I have to turn it off. You're not supposed to play that note. Yeah. I think it's that a, interval. I think it's okay to listen to like Shout at the Devil because that's what you should be doing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're yelling at him, not with him, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you're trying to scare him to get him to back off. It's like a bear. When you see the devil, you want to make yourself look really big. Get up on your hind legs. Make yourself you really big. You want to appear big. like a bigger animal. Puff up and your cheeks. Back off. Yeah. But if he's got li little devils with him, he will try to protect the little devils. That's true. You want to get him right in the nose. It's very sensitive. If it's a brown devil, you just want to play dead. But if it's a black devil, you can fight him off. Dan, Depends what's the name what of, region you're in. What's the name of that guy who wrote the Monster Mash again? Uh, Bobby Pickett. What kind of house do you think he lives in now? I think Bobby Pickett might be dead. <laughs> uh, white, white Pickett so, Fence House. The scariest house is a coffin underground. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Six feet under. That's right. Serves him right. Yeah. 
I bet yeah, he's scared that's now. A fitting end. It's the final uh, month. Truly <laughs> is just desserts. Good riddance. Oh, you scared us for all these years. We had to hear Monster Mash. Well, now you're scared by having to see the devil yeah. in hell. I was sleeping in the ground for eternity. Yeah. <laughs> now I got to see if Bobby Pickett is still alive. Oh, no. He died he in is. 2007. No, he died. He is not. He died in 2007. Oh, okay. That's a good long life. We were yeah. all looking up to see if he was alive at the same time. <laughs> he didn't really do anything after the Monster Mash. He did, he did though. He did um, the Monsters Rap, which was his second biggest hit after the Monster Mash. <laughs> I always wonder what those guys' lives are like. There are so many people that had one hit song and then disappeared, or they played on a hit song. They have enough residual income. That they don't really have to get a job. That's the at life. The gas station That's or whatever. The, and then you can just sit but, around making like, what do they do? goofy ass songs all day. Yeah, Dan, isn't what that right? He, like? he so tried to make, make tons a sitcom of other, about that. He made a shitload of like Halloween songs, right? And none yeah. of them were hits. Yeah, yeah. So, so before Monster Mash, he had uh, the Dracula twist, which is referenced in Mo- Monster Mash. So. I'm scared already. Dra- Dracula says, uh, <laughs> whatever happened to my Dracula twist in Monster Mash, referencing a previous Bobby Pickett song that did not chart. And then... Um, oh, it's the lore. I didn't, and then, yeah, and I didn't it, realize there was this whole universe he was creating. Yeah, and then he wrote Monster's Holiday in 1962 and Blood Bank Blues uh, and Me and My Mummy, M- M-U-M-M-Y, uh, and then Werewolf Watusi... And then he did a disco version of Werewolf Watusi and uh, a song called Graduation Day, which I think is his only non-monster themed song. And then, <laughs> That's and then uh, in 1985, released Monsters Rap, which, quote, describes the mad scientist's frustration with being unable to teach the dancing monster from Monster Mash how to talk. The problem is solved when he teaches the monster how to rap. <laughs> I'm looking at that. A musical sequel to Monster Mash called Monster Rap was released, which featured Pickett teaching the creature to speak through rapping. Yeah. I don't like that. I don't really want to hear that. It's a little cheap. A guy, a white guy born in 1938 in Somerville, Massachusetts, teaching someone <laughs> how to rap. I don't, I don't know. And it was the 80s, too, so even good rap sucked. Yeah, even the best rap. I when you mentioned Blood Bank Blues, Dan, I, I was really curious what the lyrics to that are. So I looked them up, and it says lyrics for Blood Bank Blues by Bobby Pickett are not available yet. Um, <laughs> Someday, but I found I found the. What are they gonna get around to? I it? found the uh, monster rap. So we invited the zombies, creeps, and ghouls, and turned them into rapping fools. Drac woke up from his nap and said, fools. "Teach me how to monster rap." <laughs> Damn, that's cold, dude. Well, you don't want to wake Dracula up. That's the whole point. No, yeah. The monster rap put those other monsters to bed, but it woke Dracula up. But he's not awake. He's talking to you. Unless they're partying in the day. Do the rap. Um, I don't know what kind of is this an anti-monster song or is it? I got bolts in my neck, a flat top head. I'm eight feet tall and I'm back from the dead. You see, I can break rappers down to tears because I've been monster rapping for a hundred years. Hell yeah! Hmm. The 1800s, he was monster rapping. This is some proto lexicontrarian stuff. Yeah, I wonder if they have either a like beatbox solo or a DJ just scratching for like forty-five seconds straight. Or just who did, a Frankenstein who did he moaning. Meet, who did he <laughs> meet that helped him produce this? I'm more interested, like, in the weird world of, like, you know, you've been irrelevant for 20 years, and then you meet somebody, a producer or something, they're like, you know, let's get you back in, let's do a, let's do a fucking monster rap, you know? It was probably Blondie, yeah. she was like, hey, I've been trying this new <laughs> rapping thing, it's going yeah, well Yeah, I invented this new genre with my song Rapture. Exactly. That was a big decade for those guys, the 80s, I don't know why, but they brought a lot of those really old-time guys back. Like Eddie Money did with uh, Ronnie Spector. Yeah. The 80s was... He, uh, ha- he had her on her uh, her first song that anyone heard in 30 years, and it was to quote herself in the line <laughs> her former abusive husband wrote. God. Oof. Pretty cold. 
But hey, Eddie Money's dead and she's not. That's the way it goes. The, the 80s were the first uh, decade where a generation had nostalgia for its youth and controlled pop culture. You know? right, that's what I was going to say. The 80s, that's, that's where nostalgia was really invented as a commercial product. Yeah. Very weird cultural decade where you had all of the boomer icons still, but they were wrangling with new technology. And usually it was good. Usually they did it successfully. Like really lame guys who were big in the 60s figuring out drum machines. But I don't think anything like that has happened since. Like you don't get people from the 90s uh, getting big today adapting to modern music. Yeah, it's really it's it's really weird. Yeah, that that whole generation across every genre too. Like you don't see any of like great '90s rappers coming back and making incredible albums or like, yeah, or having hits even. If Kurt Cobain was still alive, he'd be doing the Migos trip triplet flow right now. <laughs> <laughs> I hate myself. I want to die. It smells like Teen Spirit. It smells like Teen Spirit. Da 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 da. <laughs> I really want to read uh, Pickett's biography, which is uh, called Monster Mash Half Dead in Hollywood. I think it's going to be oh, no. super depressing. Uh, that's, <laughs> Why didn't you call it good. Pickett's Charge? <laughs> Man, that would be fun to read. We, maybe we should read that. I still want to read uh, Tommy Lee's biography, but I couldn't find a free PDF anywhere. I'm going to have to If anyone can it. find PDFs of this shit, let us know. Yeah, start the uh, Fortune Kit like book club. Yeah, I think we need to. Yeah, I got to start reading more. I got to start reading Tommy Lee, The Heroin Diaries by Nikki Six. It's like uh, what Chris... Tat uh, Tattoos and Tequila by Vince Neil. Yeah. <laughs> slash by Slash. I guess that's what that's called. It's like the stupid version of Chris Wade's show. <laughs> yeah. Monster Mash Half Dead in Hollywood is available for $175 on Amazon. That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> okay, Tommy Lee has had sex with that. more women I, than David. I Green. was just going to say. So, I think that settles that. <laughs> Monster Mesh Half Dead in Hollywood paperback is available on Amazon.ca for $410 Canadian dollars and 43 cents. Oh, wow. That's a good deal. It's cheaper, it's cheaper than the other one. <laughs> what is that in USD? Like $4? That's about 4 bucks. yeah. yeah. A Canadian dollars. You like get yen. a used copy for two dollars. <laughs> I don't really want to read it on, like, read the actual book. I'd rather just have it on the screen. But yeah, I don't do they know. have like a PDF option or anything? There is a Kindle version, but it's fourteen forty nine. Hmm. Can if we buy one of those, I wonder if we can pirate the other copies. I would do that. I don't know. We'll figure this out. I don't out. know if you can. Oh, you're talking about I'll the Tommy Lee one. I'll just reach out to Tommy one. Lee and uh, see if I can get a free copy. Yeah, uh, for promotion. <laughs> yeah, a review yeah. copy. <laughs> you know that book you put out 15 years ago? Yeah. We want to write we a review re of it. Yeah, totally. Oh, wait. Is it called Tommy Land? Yeah. It's, it's, I can, I see it right now. There's a PDF. That's where he grew up. You have the full thing? Because I found it on like Google Books, but there's only like one third of it or something. I don't know. I'll check it out. I'll Tommy Land, the you. ride. Oh, that it's six hundred and fifty-four pages. Oh what? wait, it's just, no, no. <laughs> okay, it's formatted in a really fucked up way. I'll oh, drop okay. the PDF okay. in the Discord. It's written in cramp. <laughs> it's just a really <laughs> long construction picture paper. of his dick. Yeah. Is it in scroll? Do they have it in scroll format? Yeah. There's. Handwritten I, I just uploaded Lee. the PDF. If you want to read it this way, go right. nuts. Sweet. Oh damn! Oh, man, Look this at this. This is really funny, but it. As long as it's this all format here, I'm cool is so it. weird. Yeah, it's like uh oh whoa, it's meant to be on like a post-it note. <laughs> the oh, it starts it starts off with introduction, state of mind, aka straight from the dome. Tommy, it's dialogue. Tommy, good morning, my man. Dick, what's up? Well, besides me, I've been up for a while. I'm always up before you. So it's him talking Tommy. to his dick. I mean, do you want yep. to assign it, parts, yep. maybe? Oh, do we want to do a script read right now? Yeah, why not? Let's do the intro. Okay, who who's the dick? Derek, you should be the dick. All right, I'll I'll give it a shot. Alex, you want to be Tommy? Okay, you got that right. Fucking go back to sleep, would you? Why do you have to wake me up every morning? You know I like to sleep in. I'm up because I want to be up. It has nothing to do with you. <laughs> You're just attached to me, bro. 
This life you're living, it's not about you, Tommy. It's about me. From your first trip to the bathroom in the morning to your last orgasm at night. It's all about me. I'm the man, bro. You're the co-pilot. Co if it weren't for me, you'd sleep all day. And then where would you be? I'd be nice and rested. You'd be rested without a life. Listen, I'm busy enough. But you know what? You should make me your road manager, Tommy. I'm the only one who can wake you up on time. This is insane. My own dick is busting my balls. <laughs> Dude, you can't be my road manager. You're a penis. Well, maybe you're right. A lot of road managers are dicks. Oh, man. Uh, is this the, is the whole book like this? Okay, no, it actually... <laughs> I think... I, I imagine it probably is. This is, it is I'm really glad I didn't long. pay fourteen forty nine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, it goes... It goes into uh, chapter chapter one, and it's one, like J-U-A-N. I'm not sure why. <laughs> is it really? He's not really a Latino. There's no Latino thing. At least it's... you can tell he uh, really wrote this. I mean, that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, true. Hi there. My name is Tommy Lee. Uh, yeah, I bought the book already. I know who... Okay. And there's a couple things you should know about me right away. I don't like to do the easy thing. And what are you talking about, mm -hmm. man? You did the easiest thing in the whole world. You Was played he talking about how he you played drums. Yeah, he just got hired at, to play drums in the stupidest band of all that time. That accidentally got and he's just, super famous and super rich really fast. <laughs> yeah, he was. He's like the epitome of in the right place at the right time. So I did and just kind of coasted from there. I could control F for Juan because I was like, oh, maybe it's a pun because his friend's name is Juan or something. It never appears in the book except in the chapter title. <laughs> It's just that it sounds similar. That's yeah, it. That's it. That's literally it. He thought that up and then he said, I got to write a book so I can put this in the book. It's yeah. too yeah. clever. He, he woke up and he had a conversation with his dick about that chapter name. <laughs> and he was like, you're right. I should write a book. His dick has a mouth and a jaw and little teeth. And that's how it can talk. It's disgusting. Uh, wow. There's a part of the book that says Shiger Rose. Really? Yes. If you Google Seeger Rose. That was his post-rock period. It's it's and right after it is uh, Led Zeppelin and Van Halen. What the fuck? Tommy Lee had a Reykjavik uh, trilogy. Wait, wait. Okay, I found the Seeger Rose part. That band sends me back to the womb, and it's scary. Isn't he just referencing their <laughs> album cover where it looks like the yeah, little like, embryonic thing? My God, dude. <laughs> wow, it really makes me think of I'm it. thinking about what I'm oh looking at, and then I'm writing about it. <laughs> we do, I know CJ said he was down to read this book. We got to do it. Derek, do you want to be in the reading group? Like, this is this fucking looks so good. Yeah, I mean, this will Man, probably... the album Nevermind really makes me think of a baby in a swimming pool trying to reach a dollar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. I don't know why, man. It just does. This just proves my... Something about the music, I think. This proves my theory that writing books is easy, and people like uh, Edward Sharp... Are, are just fucking lazy. He's like, oh, I was going to write a book about a cult leader or whatever. Yeah, dude, but... you're not smart. Tommy what? Lee finished his book that begins with him talking to his dick. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> come on, dude. In 2001, a beautiful young boy named Daniel tragically drowned in my pool during my son Brandon's birthday party. Oh. Oh, yeah, I oh, forgot damn. about that. He let right. some kid drown in his pool. Fuck. Jeez. Hey, let's go to Tommy Lee's house. He's rich. <laughs> I bet he'll pay attention. <laughs> what has Tommy Lee ever done to, uh, to give the impression that he's not responsible? I trust any of my children with Tommy Lee. The, and then in big text, it says, this is like highlighted big text. It's bigger than the other text. It says, listen, I'm not complaining. I'm just fascinated by this shit. I don't know if you all can relate, but it's weird. It's interesting and it's fucking frustrating. All right. <laughs> what, life? <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it's, uh, yeah. it's worthy That's of highlighting true. this kind of uh, prose, you know. God damn, yeah, dude. really, really insightful. So I was I just scrolled down from Sigur Rose to look at the other bands he's recommending, and let me read you his entire entry for Snow Patrol, please. One of my new favorite bands. Wow, to me they are a blend of Radiohead and Coldplay. You all must hear them. You'll be thanking me later. That's it. The use of the phrase you all in this book is already disturbing me. Oh, he's actually 
recommending buying rose petals and then putting rose petals over the whole house into the bedroom. I don't think he's ever done that. Did he say that right after he talks about the kid drowning in his pool? That's not like a way to cope with it, is it? Pretty much, yeah. Like two pages later. I don't think he's ever done that. I think he's remembering a movie. (laughs) He's had sex with thousands of women, but I don't think he's ever... He's giving relationship advice, and it's just stuff he's seen in movies. (laughs) He's like, yo, if your uh, marriage is on the rocks or whatever, uh, and you still want to see your kid, you should dress up like a woman and be like the housekeeper. (laughs) Man, imagine being the guy that had to talk to Tommy Lee for 200 hours to make this book. (laughs) There's a guest chapter by (laughs) Steve-O. Seriously? (laughs) Yeah. What do you mean guest chapter? <laughs> I, how to meet your favorite rock stars by Steve-O This is how you get I was 11 when I got my first Motley Crue album oh, And it man. seems like ever since then I've had a major fascination with sex, drugs, and rock and roll oh, man. I don't think he would have ever wanted to have sex If he hadn't heard that Motley Crue album <laughs> Yeah, it's an obscure thing I got into from this album. You probably haven't heard when of it. When I hit puberty, I got this Motley Crue album, and suddenly I had this interest in women. God, some of the other artists he recommends people check out are Led Zeppelin and Prince. <laughs> <laughs> Lesbian Testimonials. Hmm. What is that uh, a band he recommended? The following... <laughs> That's my new band. <laughs> the following opinions were gathered in various Los Angeles locales from Holly Weird to Malibu. The names have not been changed at the request of the lesbians. Okay. Catherine, I thought Tommy seemed really sweet, and tonight I met him, and now I know he's really sweet. He just acts like a little boy. You know, he jumps up and down, and he gets excited about everything. That innocence is fucking hot as hell. It's like he's a little baby as wild as he is. It helps that he's adorable, but the hotness is way more about the way he is. What? So it's... Why is this in the book? Lesbians, uh... Well, it's just whoever wrote the... Ghost wrote the book pretending to be lesbians, saying that Tommy Lee is cool, and, even though they don't want to fuck him. And hot because he's childlike? Yeah, he acts like a child, and that makes him cool. I don't know, yep. maybe this is just the right way to write a book, and I've never read a good book before. <laughs> Chapter 17, State of Loss, a.k.a. September 11, 2001. Oh, oh yeah. God. yeah, let's go. God. Oh, my God. Dude, this book is a masterpiece. I'm ready to call it right now. Yeah. Five stars. Five out of five. His dad died on 9-11. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> oh, wow. Didn't, didn't... It's not even about 9-11. It's just about his dad dying on 9-11. <laughs> That's like the Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> not, yeah, That's it's the Curb Your Enthusiasm thing. That like, is a twist. I have probably the worst 9-11 of all time. My dad died in 9-11. Yeah. Uh, he had a stroke in Los Angeles. Oh, man. He died so on 9-11. Funny. Tommy Lee rules. I love him. Yeah, we're going to read this for sure, man. Derek, you're invited if you want. CJ's down. I'm just imagining, like, CNN interrupting, like, uh, footage of the Twin Towers. Be like, wait, breaking news. Tommy Lee's dad is dead. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on. You got to hear this sentence. By then I was numb. Semicolon. The first bomb that had dropped in my life was like Hiroshima. It was the tragic death of a little boy named Daniel in my pool. Oh, no. Oh, God. We were celebrating my son Brandon's fifth birthday, and it happened in the summer of 2001. The other two were soon to follow. That fall, my dad passed away, and the Twin Towers fell. Our country went to war. Man. At least he didn't compare those to Nagasaki. Hiroshima and (laughs) a kid drowning in his pool because he wasn't paying attention to the kids he was watching. <sighs> All right, well, I'm I'm in. I'll be in the reading group. All right, well, maybe we should wrap it up there, but that was kind of like a little precursor to where we're headed with this, I guess, because, man, this book is fucking... I've never been so excited to read a book in my life. <laughs> this is so insane. There are, like, this is how you get people excited PDF. about reading. Is this just how it is? Yeah. <laughs> 
Copyright 2004 by Methods of Mayhem Incorporated. <laughs> nice. Good book publisher. They put out publisher. Infinite Jest, too. <laughs> well, uh, Derek, thanks for stopping by and rekindling our love of literature. Yeah, uh, thanks. I love reading books and getting smart. I'm excited to read again, you know. I'm excited to get back there. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited to look at the footnotes and... Uh, you know. Maybe come come, come with uh, you know I'll I'll write up like some bizarre post structuralist analysis <laughs> explaining. Could we get someone less literate than Tommy Lee to kind of dumb this down for me? <laughs> I, th- I think what we need to do is we uh, we need to read this book together and then we need to synthesize Derek, like you're saying, a post structuralist like like almost a kind of Zizek style analysis of it. And trick zero press into uh, publishing it, and then uh, and then our mission will be complete. Yeah. And then you get Zizek on the pod, and you know, here we fucking go. Yeah, exactly. This is the this is you know this is what they're talking about when they're talking about the Great Reset. This is our Great Reset. Good name for the episode too, the Great Reset. Man.